Hi, everyone. This is the Arcane Academy podcast, and I am your host, Marcus K. Ironwood. I'm coming to you after a long break. Unfortunately, I've had a number of technical issues and a busy summer and all sorts of things. And I'm finally getting back to editing and producing the wonderful podcast. Um, I'm still sitting on a number of interviews that I did from, or a couple interviews that I did at Paganacon here in Minneapolis in 2019. I'm hoping to get the rest of them released by the end of this year, uh, as well as sitting down and recording with Liz to get a couple herb and essential oil podcasts out by the end of the year. So that will be something exciting t- for y'all to look forward to. I'm really happy to get back to editing and sharing uh, the wonderful people that come into my life with you and all the amazing things that they're doing. So with that being said, today I bring to you an interview I did with Keldon, uh, author of The Crooked Path, uh, which will be coming out in January 2020. We, I was able to sit down with him at the, the con this past spring and talk to him about what traditional witchcraft is and kind of where it comes from and how it looks in his life and practice as well as the as well as the traditional witches deck in which he did the writing for Uh, so with all that being said it is it is my pleasure to time travel back to the spring uh, so I hope you enjoy hi everyone Just wanted to pop in and do a real quick announcement before the interview. Keldon will be teaching a class on traditional witchcraft on Saturday, October 26th from 3 to 4 p.m. at Magus Books and Herbs in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The cost is $10, so it's a really great deal. Register at magusbooks.com or by calling the shop at 612-379-7669. I know I'm going to have a really great time, and I hope you can all make it. Now on to the interview. I have with me in the studio, or the makeshift studio, (laughs) Keldon. Yes. Yay. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm very excited to have you on here. very honored as a longtime Magus shopper. Um, so it's, it's really cool to be a part of this. Yeah, I think I met you uh, two years ago mm-hmm. at Pagaticon mm-hmm. uh, while vending. So and I was like, ooh, he knows, he's really cool. He, he knows things. Oh, oh, thank you. He knows <laughs> things. And then I started following you, uh, your blog yes. on Pathios, which mm-hmm. is at the main Stang. Yes. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you did a recent post about traditional witchcraft, mm-hmm. which I think was uh, very articulate, uh, didn't kind of called out it's not just spooky skulls and cauldrons right. and worshiping the dark lord right mm-hmm. yeah. so w- let's just jump into that um okay. what is traditional witchcraft so traditional witchcraft it's 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 always really interesting trying to succinctly define traditional witchcraft because i think that is something is proven to be really difficult um the way i define traditional witchcraft is really as an umbrella term for many different non-Wiccan traditions of witchcraft. Witchcraft is this super broad, 
entity. And, and you have Wicca, which is a very specific subset of witchcraft. And traditional witchcraft really covers everything else. Um, it's a tradition that is immensely inspired by folklore. That is where the traditional part of traditional witchcraft comes from. It's about being inspired by the traditions of folklore. It's not, it's not about, um, you know, here's a path that is, is ancient and connects back to the witches of the, the Middle Ages and, you know, it's some unbroken, unbroken thing. No, it's about, it's about being inspired by folklore. Um, and with that, traditional witchcraft also, um, a lot of people tend to look at, at it more as like a spirituality than a religion. Um, which is really interesting. I think that kind of opens up a discussion about how we define religion, but I always say it's, it's up to you and how you're feeling. So it can be spiritual, it can be religious. Um, there's a lot of elements of dual faith mixed in. So um, you'll find um, traditional witches making use of like, like Christian folk magic, working with saints, things like that. Um, there's not necessarily a, a set religion attached to it, I think, which is, which is interesting because we often associate witchcraft with, with paganism. Um, and and there's, a lot of, there's a lot more variation than we, than we think. Traditional witches also are very geared towards working with spirits, so working with the other world, with the spirits of, of the physical landscape, as well as um, working magic, working operative folk magic. And, and and tuning into into the natural to the natural landscape, the land that you live on. So we often refer to this as bioregionalism, um, really really focusing in on on where you're at versus maybe like far away locations. Yeah, that so it's it's very rooted in the space you're working with. Yes, and mm -hmm. and also pulling from the those myths and the mm -hmm. folklore tradition of this is what witches. Yes. were said to do. Yes, and and the thing about that is is a lot of the folklore that we are inspired by is um, European European folklore. Although there is a lot of American witch lore that gets vastly overlooked, um, and so it's definitely something I think that people would be really interested in, like exploring more avenues of, of kind of the witch lore that we have here in America. But with that being said, right, so we want to focus in on the land we live on, but maybe we're inspired by folklore from, from Europe. And, and that's where a lot of our ancestors come from. For example, my ancestors, a big portion of them come from Scotland. So that's a folklore that I'm really inspired by. But with that, then we have to take that folklore and give it context and meaning where we're at and in, and in this modern day and age. Because traditional witchcraft is not about pretending that we are in the Middle Ages. It's about, it's about connecting with that folklore and the landscape, but doing it in a way that has meaning today. Being inspired by it. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what does that, if you don't mind getting a little bit more personal, so mm -hmm. what does that look like for you if you were going to, say, do a traditional witchcraft ritual? I know in mm -hmm. your talk you talked about there's like three um, big ones that, was it Chumley? Cochrane. Cochrane, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cochrane mm -hmm. uh, outlined. Mm -hmm. How would that look like for you, say, working here in the Midwest or mm -hmm. specifically in the Mississippi Valley? Mm -hmm. so, so for me, primarily working outdoors, um, which is, is really difficult here because we have such miserable winters. I don't um, know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, but working outdoors and, and tuning into, into the natural landscape. So 
in, in the um, workshop, I talked about laying the compass. And, and really, when we lay the compass, we're mapping out the, the physical landscape and the otherworldly landscape kind of on top of it or parallel to it. Um, and we do that by pulling in the four directions, the four cardinal directions. And, and in, in Western occultism, we often have these assigned um, directions. You know, the, and it's so hard for me to even think now, flipping back, because it's like, uh, like north is earth, um, south is fire, east is air. Um, but, but really in traditional witchcraft, we, we say, well, do what makes sense. Like if you have, if you have a um, big body of water in the east, then that is where you're pulling in the influence of water. That's where your water uh, is coming right. from, literally. Uh, yes. Um, so a big thing, so for me when I orient the compass, a lot of times I pull the element of air from the north because we get the really cold northern mm. wind in the winter. That's the big, strong wind we feel. Um, I, I think of like earth in the south because where I work my rituals, there's a big expanse of forest in the south. Um, so that's part of why, how we make it personalized. In terms of like how I would go about doing a ritual, the rituals in traditional witchcraft tend to be very unstructured. There's not a lot of ceremony to them, not a lot of tools or props. Um, it's it's it can be formal, but it's a lot of times it's very informal because what we want to do is we want to talk to the spirits, um, and we don't necessarily need a big grand um, ritual to do that. So you would typically find me sitting by a fire feeding the fire with herb and different wood, talk, just talking, talking to the spirit. In terms of the more like ritualized elements, so like laying the compass is, is a big part of, of the rituals that, that Cochrane laid out. Um, and th so that's how we create the space where we are gonna then perform the magic. So then we tread the mill. Treading the mill is the way of inducing trance. It's a way of raising the magical power in order to to work our will. So I might do that then. So now I am I'm performing that ritual. I'm circling the compass while maintaining that fixed eye contact on that central point and I'm grinding out the magical power. And then that is- Would that central point be that fire then? Or would yeah. that be a stang so, or? Um, it could really, I mean, it could be anything, but typically it would be like a bonfire the fire burning within a cauldron, the stang sometimes is planted in the center of the compass. Those are pretty much the two common ones, but I mean, really, like, you could, you could use anything. It could be a tree, it could be a rock, it could be, um, I've done it before with just like a candle burning in a lantern. Um, it's all about being practical and creative, working with what you have. Then typically a ritual would end with the who's all right. So giving offerings to the spirits, having that, that ritual of thanksgiving which I think really sounds funny because we think of Thanksgiving here in America, but, but we're giving back to the spirits and, and that really helps strengthen our bonds with them. Perfect, yeah, that sounds, so why would you perform a ritual like that? So what, what's the purpose of working with the spirits? Spirits are, are really a, a, a major driving force behind, behind witchcraft. The other world is is filled with magical power, and as witches, we are innately connected with the other world, right? We have one foot in this world, one foot in the other world, and and spirits are incredible allies in working that magic, right? So we have familiar spirits who 
where really our attending, like kind of our number one, I think. And, and in folklore, you find witches having this very um, close relationship with familiar spirits, and they serve different roles where they're going out and they're helping witches with their spells. They're acting as guides into the underworld or the other world. They, they can act as, as way, a way of divination, right? So they're giving us information. Um, there's really limitless things that they can do for us. Um, but then you have things like our ancestors and, and honoring our ancestors is something that is really important because quite frankly, without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, and there's and there's different different types of ancestors. So a, a big one in, in witchcraft is the mighty dead, the witches who have gone before us. And and again, without them, like who knows what our practice today would look like. People, I mean, people like Gerald Gardner, Robert Cochran, Doreen Valiente. I mean, those are people who really who really paved the way for us. Um, so it's an, it's important to work with them. But then you also have really practical. Um, spirits in the, in the here and now, in the physical world. We have the genus loci, the spirit of place. We have the land whites, who are the individual nature spirits. Who, I think of them as kind of the individual cells of, of the genus loci. And then you have the fairy folk. Um, and it's, it's incredibly important to work with them because, <laughs> because they're existing right here alongside of us. And when we want to connect with the land, if that's our goal, then they're the ones that we really need to form a positive relationship with. Um, there's many lessons we can learn from any type of spirit. And, and that's really um, kind of the basis, I think, of kind of where magic comes from in traditional witchcraft. It comes, it comes from within, of course, but it also comes from working with the spirits. That relationship you have with them. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of my witchcraft as well, is forming that relationship. If I don't, you know, if I'm not able to talk to someone mm -hmm. or work with someone, how am I supposed to enact my will in the world? Exactly. It's that, that mm -hmm. having that positive relationship right. that extends beyond just human. It's, you know, what is my relationship to the chair underneath me? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it, it almost goes into animism in that way. Yep. Traditional witchcraft is very animistic in, in the way it looks at the world. There is spirit in all things. And when we work with, when we work with plants, when we work with stones, like it is not just like inert material that we are approaching, it is something that contains its own spirit. And, and in order to work with that object, to have it contribute to our magical working, we need to really at first establish a relationship with that spirit, which connects back to why bioregionalism is so important, because we're better able to connect with, with plants and stones and things like that that come from our natural landscape that we live on because we're sharing in the same energy. We're sharing in the same environment. Um, and I think it's sad because unfortunately, I think a lot of times in witchcraft, those, those things get overlooked. The, the plants that are already growing where you are, they tend to be like, you know, weeds and things growing in ditches and, and they're not as pretty as, you know, lavender and, and, <laughs> and stuff, which, um, you know, which is not to say that those other plants don't have their purposes. Um, but I just think sometimes we, we kind of overlook what we already have going for us. Yeah. Well, as soon as you start, if you study um, herbal medicine at all, mm -hmm. you realize that every single plant on the ground is mm -hmm. serving a purpose. Yes. You know, dandelion's great as a liver tonic. You mm -hmm. know, chickweed is great for um, also a liver tonic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do I need liver help? <laughs> Probably. And a martini last night. It was delicious. Up, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I wanted to know, what got you into witchcraft? What brought you into this fantastic magical realm? So it's, it's something that has been a long, a long, kind of a long story. Um, 
as a child, I was always really interested in Halloween. Um, I was born 10 days before Halloween. Um, and so my mom always jokes that that's kind of why, but I was always really fascinated by witches and ghosts and, and kind of all of the spooky things. Um, and that was an all year occurrence for me. Like I would be dressing up in my Halloween costume all year, reading books on Halloween all year long. Um, you know, when it came to like Disney movies, I, I could care less about, about the characters except for the evil witches. Um, and I think even as a child, I really understood that, you know, these, you know, these witches, they are people who have power and they don't need, you know, a, a knight to come save them. They, they know what they want and they're going to get it. Um, of course, then unfortunately, it always blows up in their face, which <laughs> is totally unfair. Um, or but if you're actively harming someone, not great, but not, I not great, but you know, we all got to do what we got to do. Yeah. Um, Ursula the sea witch. Yeah. She's just a businesswoman. Right. She's just making a contract. Yeah. She's just making her coin. Yeah, exactly. Living. Um, and, and I grew up spending a lot of time outdoors. So the woods next to, to my childhood home, that's where I spent a lot of my time. And I wasn't somebody who really had a lot of friends as a child. So I would go out in the woods and I would make friends with the fairies, with the spirits of the trees. And it was, always, it was always very much a reality to me. It wasn't something that necessarily I thought of as like pretend. So I'd spend a lot of time making like little fairy houses. And, and that's where a lot of my really early um, kind of animistic beliefs unfolded. Um, so then when I was 11 years old, I discovered Wicca through just a random internet search. And this was still pretty early in the days of the internet. So yeah, um, I, I think this say. was like still dial up. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember after yep. school, and can I go on the internet, Mom? Yes. Sure. And then you're, like, looking up, like, spells. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I was, you know, I was just looking up witches, and I found this this website. And I will never forget it because it was one of those, like, really over-the-top kind of, like, geocity sites. Uh-huh. with like Angel you know, Fire. Yep. Yeah. It had, like, the pan flute music uh-huh. looping in the background. And at the time, I thought, oh, this is so pretty. And now I'm like, oh, shut oh, it up. Oh, no. And you can't make it stop because it's coming from some unknown location. Um, but... It was all about Wicca, and I was so just pulled in because for me this was the signal, like, you're not alone. Like, what you're doing, like, it's not that I thought what I was doing wasn't real, but it was this confirmation that there are other people out there who are witches. And so I immediately set out to, like, do everything this website described. I built an altar, and and I started doing all the things, um, and luckily I have – really, really supportive parents. Nice. Um, and, and they really um, encouraged me to explore, and they bought me some of my first books. You know, they thought it was a little weird, but at this point I had also been interested in witches for so long that this wasn't a huge leap. And so I got really into Wicca, solitary eclectic Wicca to be specific, and, and that really, really did a lot for me um, during those early years kind of going into my teens. It helped me to feel empowered living in a small town where there was not a lot of acceptance. I got bullied a lot, and it gave me this sense of being connected to something bigger. And, and I will never, ever forget that um, because I don't, I don't know what I would have done without it. But as I, as I got older and I entered into college, and I started to grow disillusioned um, with a lot of the books I was reading, um, particularly because as you go into college, you start using more critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing that a lot of the history um, put in, in, in some of these books were not so great. And that started to really frustrate me. And so eventually I kind of just stopped calling myself Wiccan. Um, 
like formally. And I was just like, oh, like I'm just a witch. I'm just doing my thing. And, and that was good for a while. But I decided after, after being really inspired by um, different bloggers and kind of seeing their, their paths, um, that I was like, I really want to research the history of witchcraft. Like I really want to, to understand it on a deeper level. So I went to books written by like the early pioneers. So Gardner, Valiente, the Farrars. And what started to unfold was this whole other side of Wicca that isn't really uh, talked about a lot. And of course, this is like the initiatory Gardnerian Alexandrian Wicca. And for me, having gained that new understanding of history and how it developed, I had this new appreciation. But I also recognized that like this, this isn't for me. This is not, this is not really lining up with, with how I view witchcraft. Witchcraft for me is about being in the woods. It's about connecting with those spirits, about things that are very simple and practical and down to earth and, and you don't need a lot of tools. You know, you go out there and you get your hands dirty. And so while I was researching this, I, I started reading about Robert Cochran. And I discovered that at the same time that Wicca was developing, there was this other path, traditional witchcraft. And as I was reading into that, I was like, oh, aha, this, this is where I feel more at home. This lines up with a lot of my kind of early childhood experiences. What you've already been doing. Right. So it was kind of this like coming back home, which which I think a lot of a lot of people describe that feeling, you know, whether it's Wicca or traditional witchcraft, they describe this feeling of coming home. And for me, this was like a second homecoming. It was returning to like the roots of of who I am and and the journey that I've been on. Um, yeah, during the your uh, talk this morning, I was just sitting there in the audience, like going, mm-hmm, 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 <laughs> just like really. Because I don't have a formal tradition. Well, I'm working in some uh, the Black Rose witchcraft right now. Yep. Um, but oh, you are. I am taking. Uh, yeah. How fascinating. Uh, it's very 101. Oh. It's very 101 right now. Yeah. 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 Well, you gotta yeah. you gotta start somewhere. And it's it's good to revisit a lot of it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I'm finding myself. This is very that's, off topic. That's it's okay. Yeah, yeah. That's always my recommendation when people start to feel stagnant in their path. It's mm. like go back to the basics. Yeah. Go back to where you started. Yeah. Someone uh, commented like this past week was basic circle casting mm -hmm. and someone commented I'm like they're like well I do this and now what and I'm like what do you mean now what even if you don't <laughs> have a thing that you're going to do afterwards sit in there yeah. form that relationship yes. with that you know mm -hmm. the element of water or the element mm -hmm. of earth like yeah. now what oh you could spend a lifetime just doing this are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's been very enriching just even the simplest practices you can just dive right into yeah. them so absolutely yeah. Where was I going? Oh yeah, nodding my head along, going yes, this yes. is exactly <laughs> it. Um, outside of like that formal um, training, and just mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that I do, which I, I very tongue in cheek call swamp witchery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, just nodding my head along, going yeah, this is exactly it. This is you know, I don't need a high priestess. Mm -hmm. I don't need a whole thirteen coven to mm -hmm. raise a cone of power to do. Right whatever mm -hmm. i can just go into the woods and f have that relationship you know maybe grab a stick that's my staying for that yep. minute or that center uh axis mundi point mm -hmm. that's all i need yep. and i'm completely connected to everything yeah so it's great i completely i, I get it <laughs> and i think a lot of listeners and people who find this traditional witchcraft um, path that is becoming more available mm -hmm. through books um, like Tempest's new one, yep. um, Modern Traditional Witchcraft, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Chris Oropello and, and Tara's uh, book, uh, 
they're bringing out this um, other side of mm-hmm. witchcraft that grew up right alongside mm-hmm. your traditional gardenarian. Yep. Which is really cool. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the Oracle deck that you did last year? Oh, yeah. So a few, like, yeah, like a year and a half ago, I was approached by my good friend, Maggie Alra. Um, she is an artist, Witch and Moon. And she was like, hey, I have this idea for doing a Oracle deck that's based around traditional witchcraft. Would you want to, would you want to be the writer for it? And, and I love Maggie's artwork, so I was like, heck yes. Um, you know, this is not something that's necessarily been done, an oracle deck that is based around, around traditional witchcraft. And, and so we started this process. We came up um, with the kind of the cards we wanted, the imagery, and then from there it was a really collaborative process. So she would, she would do like initial sketches and we'd give each other feedback and then I would write stories for each of the cards. And so how it works oh, is cool. there's 28 cards. Um, and in each card is a symbol or an item or something that belongs to the folklore of witchcraft, um, as well as some of the modern pieces um, in, in today's traditional witchcraft. And, and those images are used then to create a story. Each card has its own little narrative, and I wrote them in story form. That's really cool. And part of that is because you, you get the context, and you, and you get meaning from that in terms of like a, a interpretation for the card. But you're also getting a look into the folklore and, and even into the practice of today's traditional witchcraft. Um, and, and it's really flexible in how you use it. Um, you know, in, in the book that comes with it, there's, there's two sample spreads, but really um, we encourage you to kind of come up with your own, your own system and your own meanings as well. You know, as you work with the cards, like you're gonna find that they naturally start to develop their own meanings for you. Um, and I think that's really important um, because, you know, I think with tarot or with oracle, like there's there's kind of these base fixed meanings, but but they have different meanings over time and in different situations. Yeah, and, I th- and that goes back to forming that relationship. Yes, yes. And, and I talk about in the book too about like you know these cards are inhabited by by spirits, the spirits of folklore, and they will and they will tell you things, and they and those messages will change over time. So it's important to develop that, to develop that relationship. Um, so it's called the traditional witches, um, traditional witches deck, and right now it's we're getting ready to do a second printing. We oh, started nice. off, we did a Kickstarter, um, so everybody who contributed got a deck, um, and then we've been selling like the, the leftovers like here and there. Um, but we plan on doing a second printing. So it's still available. Yes. Where can um, they get it? Well. Actually, okay, so it's not available right now. Okay, I lied. Let me, let me back up. I lied. I'm a liar. Um, We're telling stories today. Yes. So right now, the only the only decks that are available are actually with me at this present <gasps> moment. But there will be a second printing at some point kind of coming towards summer. And we're still kind of we're still kind of figuring out how we want to to manage that mm-hmm. in terms of like pre-orders and stuff. We're not we're not business people. So that's that's a new aspect for us is kind of how we want to handle the business side of Perfect. it. Um, but, but it's really exciting, and, and hopefully um, at some point we'll be able to have kind of a stockpile of them that we can, we can sell more regularly. Nice. Um, but I think right now, like, I mean, part of the draw is that it's something that you can't just get. It get. It's kind of limited. And, and we know that people go absolutely bananas for that these oh, days. Oh, yeah, they do. Well, I think, I mean, that's always been something that people have really been into. But it's a good thing. It's yeah. A good thing. It means the people that want it are going to get it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
people who yeah people who really want it not people that are like oh this is cool it's a little scary to my shelf yeah on my and, shelf yeah because you I mean yes it's a nice it, the artwork's beautiful mm. uh, the I'm sure everything about it is fantastic and I'm how many you got left I want one yeah <laughs> I got some left okay <laughs> keep one for me thank you uh, <laughs> yeah um but you want people to use it yes you you don't want it just to be this oh look at this pretty art thing that I have on my right. shelf you want people to be able mm. to use it and that connects back to very much like the heart and and soul of traditional witchcraft is it's about actively doing things and that you know with the tools of traditional witchcraft like they're very practical they're utilitarian they serve many purposes they're not there to just sit and look pretty mm -hmm. they're there to be used yeah the cup is not only your vessel for coffee in the morning but it can right. be that virtual vessel yeah fill it with sand and you got a charcoal sensor yep. i mean yeah. it's so versatile yes yeah mm -hmm. yeah excellent mm -hmm. so what's next for you what's coming down the pike so I have a book. I have a book coming out um, in this next year that is all about traditional witchcraft. Um, it is a it is an introduction to traditional witchcraft. Nice. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's been a lot of fun to write. It's also, I mean, it's been very stressful to write. <laughs> um, but I think people are really going to enjoy it. I think it breaks down traditional witchcraft in a very accessible way. Um, my goal in writing it was to really do away with a lot of the pretense a lot of times, unfortunately, I think traditional witchcraft is presented in a way that is really um, pretentious, for lack of a better word. And we're special. We have minimal tools. Right. We like the dark and, lord. And you know, and there's a long history of, of witchcraft or traditional witchcraft and wake up budding heads. And of course, I talk about that in the book and kind of how that developed and where it came from. But the, oftentimes, the two are seen as being very adversarial, and and that really doesn't need to be the case. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're both forms of witchcraft. They have they have influenced each other over time, and, and it's not a competition. We all shop at the same stores. We all right. attend the same conferences. Right. We get to party together. We yes. don't have to throw shit at each other. Right, and, and nobody's better than, than anybody else because as long as you are able to work your magic and connect with your spirits, that's what matters. And it doesn't matter how you do it. And so I wanted to write a book, too, that that talks about Wicca and its relationship with traditional witchcraft, but in a way that's very fair and balanced. Um, unfortunately, again, I find in, in some of the books that have been published about traditional witchcraft, they take a very um, condescending approach to talking about Wicca um, and spend a lot of time um, talking about how like traditional witchcraft is totes, not Wicca. And, and I think it's good to compare and contrast, and I don't think that necessarily has to be a divisive but I think if you're spending a lot of time talking about what traditional witchcraft isn't, it's really off-putting for the reader and doesn't really explain very much. Yeah. Kind of takes away from. You're not telling me what it is. Right. It's like okay, we've uh, we've we understand now. Yeah. Like it's not this. Like what is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the book is coming out um, later this year. Late 2019. Oh, 2020. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. January 2020. I think. Okay. Is the Perfect when it's projected to, to be published. Um, other than that, I mean, just maintaining my blog over at Pathios, um, which often unfortunately gets neglected because <laughs> we just have so much going on. You're a busy um, grad student. <laughs> thank you, yes. And so um, so blogging, writing, that's pretty much pretty much it. Awesome, Yeah. so people can find you over at Pathios. Do you have yes. any other socials? That's pretty much, I mean, that's the main one. If you, okay. wanna, if you wanna find me, if you want to, um, to read about my work and what I do, Pathios by Athme and Stang. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. This has been a real big pleasure for me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, 
yeah, I'm definitely going to have to pick up a copy of the Oracle deck, a copy of your book when it comes out next year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's going to be great. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. It's been delightful. Thanks.